Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and around the world, this is your host for the David Harris Jr. Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world. This is your host for the David J. Harris Jr. Show. Yes, I am David, and I've got an amazing show for you today. Whether you're watching this on Facebook, YouTube, or listening to this podcast, I love these deep dive one-on-one interviews that I get to do with some of the most incredible individuals from around our country, true patriots that love this president, love our country, love what it stands for, and this gentleman I have on today, it's a true privilege and an honor to have him on the show, Mr. Robert Dobby. Robert, my brother, thank you so much for choosing to spend a little bit of your time with me, man, and to hear for to let everybody hear more of your story. It is an absolute honor to have you with me today, my brother. Well, it's an honor to be here with you, my brother, and uh, congratulations on all the, the great work you're doing, David. Really an well, inspiration and much needed in our nation right now. Uh, well, we all have a part Twitter to play. And, uh, yeah, we all have a part to yeah, play, and uh, I, I think you're playing your part as great as you can. I, I'm doing what I can. I want to I want to share just a little bit of your some of your successes, and then I want to get into some of what you're not so known for that I think you should be. Been in over 130 films. Among those films, you've been in uh, The Goonies. You were in uh, Vietnam Veteran, an FBI special agent in Die Hard. You were in a James Bond movie. And you were in Predator 2. But what a lot of people don't know that I uh, really didn't know until I really started to research, and I've seen some of your videos go viral on Twitter. You've had some amazing videos. You've also been a frequent speaker on conservative politics. You've narrated several film montages that aired during the 2008 Republican National Convention, spoke at CPAC, and you've also received many honors and awards for your public service. But you, my friend, are an absolute patriot, and a patriot coming out of Hollywood is almost unheard of these days. Most individuals with your stature, with your success in Hollywood, they either keep their lips shut, they don't want to share their opinions because they're afraid of the backlash, and then there's individuals like you that are courageous enough to stand up and speak your mind, and you've been doing it for 10, 15 years at least. I know with your articles that I've seen from that you've written on Breitbart, you've l- written a ton on there. You've been in this fight trying to wake up Americans for decades. So thank you again for choosing to use your voice to try to wake up the masses. And I hope that what our listeners and viewers get today helps them even more solidify why they should be patriotic for our country, our flag, and this president. Well, thank you, David. Thank you. So, Robert, what was it? Let, let's we're going to get into a lot today. You, you, I've got some articles that you wrote all the way back from ten years ago, warning us about China, warning us about uh, what what's currently taking place in our country, warning us about what you saw taking place underneath the Obama administration. But let's just start off with this: When was it that you decided to become as outspoken as you are politically, and especially supporting conservative values? Well, I've always been a concerned citizen and uh, and outspoken uh, in life and whatever. I mean, even in the 1980s, you know, I was always conscious. I did a film in the Amazon rainforest, for instance, you know, early on, understanding what was happening there. So on all issues, whether it be environmental or political or our freedoms, uh, I was also one of the first people to come into Congress uh, in 19, mid-1990s about Internet safety for kids with a company called iSafe America which brought internet safety into the schools and said the dangers of the internet. So it's always been a, 
I guess, but the major turning point was on the USS Ronald Reagan in 2002 when Andrew Breibart and I met. And I had been outspoken politically a bit. I was doing a TV series called Profiler that was on NBC for the election of 2000 there with uh, between Gore and uh, Bush. I was invited to a, a Gore fundraiser and I declined. And I guess that was the first moment that people had said, wait a second, he's not maybe one of us in the Hollywood community at least. Wow. But what I found was, Andrew and I spoke about this, he understood media very well. He was one of the first, he was like the George Washington of fake news, you know, exposing fake news and what was happening. Andrew Breitbart and Breitbart.com. And Andrew had talked to me about that time. He was, and most conservatives that had heard me speak or say something were always very appreciative. And he said he wanted to start a website called Big Hollywood that was going to be a place where someone like myself can speak their views and be protected if you're attacked by the left. So that gave a little bit more of a push to wanting to express oneself, but just the mere passion of seeing things in the world differently and not understanding why there isn't a voice. Hmm. And understanding also my mentor in acting was a woman named Stella Adler, one of the great acting teachers of all time. She taught Brando, De Niro, many wonderful talents. She was a brilliant wow. woman. And she was part of that Hollywood House of American Activities with Harold Clarman, the group theater. She went before Congress. And she had told me in terms of socialism, Marxism, and communism, she said we were wrong. We were wrong. And she confided this to me in the 70s when I was taking her class. We were wrong. Wow. And that then brought me to discovering, researching Hollywood. What people don't realize is the Communist Party had infiltrated the United States since the 1920s and prior. And especially yes. the arts and Hollywood. They were, I mean, and government and other places. When people are surprised that there are bureaucrats like John Brennan that voted for communism, it's no surprise. There are many bureaucrats in our government that had that leaning and it had never been exposed before. One man took it on and that was Ronald Reagan in the 1940s. Right. When he, he was a leading heart, he was a bleeding heart liberal, Ronald Reagan, self-described. And then he saw what was happening, the insidiousness of what was happening. There was a meeting at a, an actress's house called Ida Lupino. They were having a meeting of the Communist Party of Hollywood, basically, run by Sterling Hayden, the actor that played the, uh, in The Godfather. Great actor. He was a wow. patriot, Sterling Hayden, but he believed in Marxism and, and communism. And at Man. that time, he, was, he, called, what? Yeah, he called the party. And William Holden, the actor William Holden, said to Ronald Reagan that there was this meeting happening. Reagan crashed the meeting and wanted to speak. They were shouting him down until the actor, John Garfield, great actor of the 30s and 40s, died young, 37, 38 years old. Garfield was a, the Brad Pitt, the, the throb of the day, you know what I mean? And before his time, one of the first real male heroes of that time, that era, the edginess, anti-hero. And he got up and said, let him speak. He should speak. We should listen to what he has to say. We don't have to agree with him, but he has the right to speak. So well, this is an openly communist meeting with the main actor from The Godfather oh, yes. trying to shut him down and a lot of other actors upset. And Ronald Reagan actors. is just trying to speak. Well, no, other actors, other actors and actresses. Yeah, this was the, the Hollywood community that was supporting the left at the time. They were having wow. a, a, a socialist meeting. And Reagan crashed it. He was told about it by William Holden. He wanted to speak. They were shouting him down. John Garfield got up and said, we should listen to him. Let him speak. Garfield was then taken out back 
by a guy named Howard Distillet and read a riot act. Like, why the hell did he do that? Reagan went on for 45 minutes to booze, beers, and everything else, but said his speech. Years later, and then Sterling Hayden did not become a communist. He rejected that. But years later, Sterling Hayden said that Ronald Reagan was a one-man wrecking crew. So when you know the history wow. of this, and you know how deep it is in the Hollywood community, and, you know, people follow. Look, at it's, it's hard, David. It's very, yeah. very hard because you're in a community and conservatives really don't understand how to embrace the culture enough. Right. They don't. They haven't. Yeah, famous and line by Andrew like Breitbart. You know, politics is downstream from culture. Exactly. And they're not understanding, really, people like myself. Why should people like myself come forward in Hollywood when, really, where is the support from the conservative movement? Except wow. people like yourself and others. And that's what Andrew Breitbart was about. But he's no longer with us. So he was really making sure. So there are a select few that may have that to, to provide that cover. But part of that thinking, when you're not invited to certain events or your name comes up on something and it gets rejected later on for whatever reason in the Hollywood community, you know, that has a residual effect in terms of, you know, what you might do with your career. Right. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there, there are ways you can slip through. But it's strange to me that Hollywood, who went through this blacklist of which, by the way, McCarthy, when people say this is like the McCarthy era, they're wrong. They should never say this. See, this is even I've seen even politicians go, it's worse than McCarthy. Well, it is because McCarthy was 99 percent correct in terms of who he fingered were communists in the government and in society. Because wow. the Venona Project in 1996, the, have you ever heard of the Venona Project? No, I haven't. All right. Daniel Patrick Monahan, and to those Democrats out there, he was a Democrat out of New York. He wanted the Venona Project to be made public. What was that? Well, in the 1920s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, the Soviets had a code that they thought was undecipherable. So when they talk about Russia, 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 they're all full of shit out there because they've been doing it for for 50, 70, 80 years, okay? They're full yeah. of shit, what they're doing, and putting it on Trump. So, irrespective of that, you have to realize that the Venona Project, we had this, we had cracked the code, unbeknownst to the Soviet Union. So, the people that were fingered as communists by McCarthy in the Venona Project, people can look it up online. He was exonerated, McCarthy. Now, there was the House of American Activities that was separate from McCarthy that went through a fishing expedition. And McCarthy did have some bolstering and mustering and, you know, but it was other, other issues. But that takes away from the fact that the Venona Project exonerates him. So when they say this is like the McCarthy era, it's not because conservatives and what's happening to conservatives or some is a totally manufactured kind of thing. It's like and the I, walking back. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and what I always try to what I always try to remind my my audience and viewers and listeners is that communism, and you just you just verified that with what was happening and taking place in Hollywood uh, back in the from the 30s, 40s, and on. Communism has been trying to infiltrate and take over our country for decades, probably a century. The head of Treasury for Franklin Delano Roosevelt was a communist. The Karl Rove of that era was a communist. The head of the New York wow. Times was a communist. 
not Charlie, other people. So there has been, and, and again, and it's an ideological difference. It's an ideological difference Absolutely. that happens. And, and the cultural Marxism, and Marx understood this. He understood the power, and, and Erwin Piscato out of Germany, they understood the power of theater, of culture, of film. Yeah. And they taught that. They called it agitprop, propaganda agitation, which we see that the first guy, and if you ever read it, David Horowitz has a great book. If you haven't read it, read it. David Horowitz, who has a, a, one of my mentor guys, again, yeah, David The Amazing. Art of Political War, right? The Art of Political War. We don't do that. The, the conservatives don't do that. They sit on their hands. You mm. can have Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer come out and spew forth a bunch of nonsense. And people are saying, why should Trump tweet? Why does Trump tweet? He tweets because his hair has to be on fire, understanding what's going on behind the scenes, and no one else is really exposing it. That's because yeah. it does it to me. It absolutely does it to me. When I see what's going on behind the scenes, and they're saying stuff, CNN, I'm sure you saw the thing. No one wanted to call it the Wuhan virus, the Wuhan flu. Right. They called it that for a few seconds, then it became coronavirus because it was xenophobic, which is a lot of crap. Yes. Then the Chinese said that the U.S. Army was maybe responsible for it. Well, now CNN came out and said, no, no, it's the Wuhan virus. It had a deficit. That's why we call it the Wuhan virus. Yeah. Because you want to say we're the epicenter because they're going to change history. Yep. I mean, that's what they nonstop so try to do. to do. It's absolutely insane what we're dealing with when we've got this this massive propaganda machine that is shoveling all this manure to, to say it roughly into the audience, in the eyes and the ears of the American people. And the problem that I have is so many Americans aren't awake. They don't even know that it's taking place. And yet this is something that's been it's the culmination of something that has been building for decades, literally for decades. You know, you had the opportunity to know personally Frank Sinatra, without a doubt, one of the most amazing singers and individuals of his time and of his era. And he was one of the first social just true social justice warriors. I actually have a video of you when you're speaking about Frank. I want to play this and then uh, I'll let you share just about a 20 second clip and I'll let you share why or what you what you think or what you feel Frank would be thinking about or feeling about our country right now. Here's the clip. Sinatra, for me, besides his Picasso's contribution to music, was the first artist to come out against anti-Semitism and racial bigotry. And this is in the 40s when everyone was silent. He wouldn't go into a place with a black actor wasn't allowed, or singer wasn't allowed in the casino or the restaurant. One of the first guys fighting for social justice before it became Vogue. Before it became Vogue, you said, he was one of the first fighting for social justice. What do you think he'd be thinking or feeling right now, seeing what's happening in this current political climate in our country? Well, I wrote an article on Breitbart. Was Frank Sinatra a deplorable? Mm. Which is the last article I wrote there, which kind of explains that a bit, and it's a good article to read, but you have to realize, again, he was against bigotry, Sinatra. He was an Italian son of Italian immigrants, as I am, you know, and the uh, grandparents. And the Italian-American, you got to understand, David, that in the 1906, the New York Times said the Italian was lower and dirtier than the Negro. New York right. Times. There were more lynchings of Italians in 1886 in New Orleans than any other kind of people. 
So wow. the Italians understood they were called darkies. They were called this. They understood they had a camaraderie to the black community. Yes. Because of this, especially from the south of Italy, in Sicily, where my people are from, and Naples, and where Sinatra was from. He was from Sicily, and but Genoa. So now, understanding this, and I remember as a kid being called greaseball, dago, wop, you know, wine drinker. There was a ton of stuff. It never bothered me. It never really affected me, really. It didn't. I had a, a thick skin. But bad is If what anything, happened. really quick, do you think that having to endure some of that blind, unprecedented, unnecessary, unprovoked hate uh, made you stronger in some ways? Absolutely, it makes you stronger. Yeah. That's why you have such strength in the black community today. Which is, which is what survive. I try. I, I hate it so much. <laughs> When so many individuals, especially in the black community, have this woe is me victim mentality. I got to stay away from the white man because of, you know, the history of racism. It's like, shut up, pull your pants up, you know, be strong, be courageous. You're going to have haters. There's there's haters out there no matter who a person is. You could be too tall, short, fat, skinny, whatever. They don't like your color. Take that as an opportunity to learn to love yourself and be courageous enough to continue to push through that. And, and if people did that overall, we wouldn't have this massive garbage victimhood mentality that's supposedly keeping people down and creating more division than anything else. It's astounding, isn't it? It when is. When you think about the astounding misrepresentation to the black community in terms of the victim victimization that, that has been fed into the black community continually. I don't remember, and again... I don't. I can't be in anyone's shoes. I just know my own. You know. I also had uh, a rough complexioned skin. You know what I mean. I had scarring. That also separated me in a certain way. My skin also separated. I had also right. a different kind of prejudice. Yeah. Because of that. Because maybe he looked more like a gangster or whatever that is. So I understand a little bit of this thing. But it never ever it made you stronger. The left has continued to capitalize in terms of bringing people down in a certain way, instead of saying, you know what, let's pull us up by the bootstraps. Yes. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez wanted to make that a, 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 an issue. No, nothing the left has ever done has ever succeeded. They have not succeeded in Marxism and communism. And I don't understand how people, they continue to beat that drum, and they're, they're the Politburo. These guys are the Politburo. They're the ones getting wealthy, getting rich, yep. off the American, the sweat... They want the slave. It's the slave mentality that the Democrats continue to bring. They, they want to say, well, we have to have these rights and these rights. But that, it's not what's happening. You've got I'm a, a ton of amazing articles. By the way, if you ever want to write an article for DavidHarrisJr.com, you are more than welcome, brother. I will absolutely take it, publish it, get it spread all over the place. But you've written a lot of articles on Breitbart all, going all the way back to 2009. I was reviewing a lot of those. And there was a few that I pulled out that I felt were were really specific for right now and I wanted to highlight. And if any of my viewers, listeners, you know, I would encourage you, go just do go to Breitbart.com, search Robert Davi and see some of the stuff that he's writing. He's been a political activist trying to wake up Americans in this country for a long time. And I think he's one of the earliest voices of support, especially coming out of Hollywood for this president and this administration. But he's he's written some amazing things. One of them that you wrote was on China, burnt offering. We must not ignore China's threat to our security. This was in January of 2010. You said, while we're getting bombarded by the with the white noise of politics, in short, China is a top-tier strategic threat to the United States and its ideology of predatory state mer mercantilism 
constitutes one of the greatest challenges to America's new global generation, like the danger posed by the Soviet Union to the greatest generation. Expound on that with me, especially now thinking about how this virus has come out of China. China has now threatened the United States with not sending us needed some medical supplies. And to understand that 90 percent, I'm hearing, of our medicines, but also medical supplies are coming out of China. How in the world did our government allow uh, this kind of reliance on a country that is such a threat? Well, you know, there's a movie, uh, George C. Scott and Marlon Brando called The Formula, based on a book by Steve Shagan, I believe. And there was a line in that movie that said, money, not morality, is the principal commerce of civilized nations. Hmm. So Nixon opened up China, okay, with the hope, of course, of once they understood the benefits of capitalism, perhaps, that there would be a better detente, which did happen. Trade does happen around the world. Okay. But uh, this is, again, when we saw the outsourcing of our own manufacturing for cheaper wages. The globalists started to do this. Right. This was a plan. This was the new world order. This was an absolutely concerted plan of which many of them were involved in. The Council of Foreign Relations, digging it all up to eventually have this globalist, the globalization, which we have in a certain extent. Well, then, when you, without protecting it, you, you forget the ramifications. They want to say, well, these jobs are not good for Americans. You know what I mean? There's going to be better jobs for Americans. Meanwhile, India then did the technology and the call centers, or, you know, I mean, they're going, companies are going. So it leaves what happened. And a guy like Donald Trump comes in and tells the truth and has been telling the truth for 25 years. Yeah, at least. He's been talking about this. What astounds me, David, is that, that, that people are not talking more about that he hasn't changed his position, that he's been discussing this for over 25, 30 years about our yes. trade with China. And they want yeah, to demonize I remember the famous video that's gone viral on Facebook and, and on YouTube where he was on Oprah. That was some 25 years ago. And he was saying yeah. the exact same stuff then. He was tired of us as a country getting ripped off by all these other countries and the politicians basically selling us out. He's had the same story. And now he's doing what he was talking about for decades. And I don't I still don't think we've seen we, we haven't even truly begun to see the benefits of all these new trade deals that are going to go into effect, especially with China, the USMCA, we haven't even witnessed what benefits that's going to bring us as a country yet. No, no. I mean, it's the tip of the iceberg. What he's done in such a short time and with the blocking, imagine having, let's face it, he's the one guy. He's the quarterback and fullback and the front line of defense because most of the GOP are weak vessels. They don't yeah. defend him as strongly as they can. I don't believe. Yeah, I agree. That's my own opinion. I'm not not doing you right. There's some champions so in there, but they're far they're far and fewer between than the rest of the the rest of the. Fewer and far between there are some champions. Exactly. So, yeah. but you have the massive media and the cultural and the political and the bureaucracy apparatus come and the news media coming against Donald Trump. I wrote an Don't article stop. about that. I wrote yep. an article. I wrote many articles about that. And I saw this the day he came down that escalator. And I got to tell you, a lot of my friends over the years were praising Donald Trump, were friends in the Hollywood community. They love Trump. As you know, the rap artist, Trump was looked up to because of this and that and the other thing. And, you know, and then all of a sudden so, there's an amnesia. 
See, it's one thing coming from me. I'm an outsider from Hollywood. You're an insider from Hollywood. And you're saying a lot of your friends and people that you know were praising Donald Trump, or at least were friends with him. Nobody ever called him a racist. That was never even a to- was that ever even a talking point in Hollywood that Donald Trump may be a racist? Look at Oprah's article with him. Look at 25 years ago, Oprah. That sounds like presidential talk. Yeah. I mean, people were wondering if he was going to get in. Yeah. And what he did with the Walman Ring. History of the Walman Rink that nobody was really talking about until I wrote an article in the Orange County Register. They weren't putting that front and center in terms of how he can take care of our infrastructure and make sure we're not getting ripped off. I think yep. a lot of people now know the Walman Ring. They yeah, know about in New York that. City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I realize I, I share that in I share that in my book. I wrote an article on that as well. Here, the New York, the city of New York wastes yes. millions of dollars and several years trying to fix the ice skating rink in Central Park. And here the president picks up, picks it up, gets it done under budget, and in a few months. <laughs> That's what and he does. He gets the job done. Gets the job. But here's the caveat. He said to them, who's building the ice rink? And they said, a refrigeration expert out of Florida. And this is the common sense, you know, forget the blustering. I'm from Queens, Astoria. He's from Queens. It's straight talk, man. It's right there in your face. He's talking to construction workers. He's talking to guys. There's no time for a lot of holy duty stuff. You yeah. know, all this political that confuses your mind. When these right. people talk, they can, I want to know, tell me what you're about. Now, yes. the other thing is they found when he brought the guy, he went to the Montreal Canadian guy, the owner, to say, who builds these ice rinks? The first thing the guy said, he brought the guy down. They were using copper tubing. You realize copper tubing? And they had to have miles of copper tubing, and they never checked it for holes. So it, they put the Freon in and the Freon, and then the copper tubing would be missing. Copper tubing. So somebody made a deal. I'm not saying who in New York right. City. They put the tubing down. They took the copper, and for six years they did this. Who was getting wow. rich on this? And when he came down, I said, you don't use copper tubing. You use rubber tubing. So a big say there. I want to read this one article. All right. You wrote this one in August of 2015. This was, I believe, right after the president announced that he was even running for election for the president of the United States. Wrote this on Breitbart. While Donald Trump was announcing his candidacy for president of the United States, I began to write. And I was way out in front in how Donald Trump would resonate with the American people. Needless to say, I received tons of flack and ridicule. Also, the majority of pundits smirkingly dismissed it as an absurdity to think Trump would make a serious run. And then I love this part. You said Trump is a force of nature with a love for America that has made him sacrifice his very successful life. People can't forget that. Now he brings a message of bold, forceful, positive energy. I do not like when I hear him referred to as bombastic. When when pundits refer to him this way, it's because the Donald does not fit into the cookie cutter way they perceive politics. And his direct, no nonsense style is criticized to minimize his message. Boy, did you hit that right square on the head, my brother. <laughs> the day he announced, I was saying that. The day he announced, bro. And, and, and so many different things that I had seen. Because, again, when he announced... And I was for him immediately because I'm knowing a bit of the history and just understanding the message and feeling that he could win all my friends. They were for Cruz or Rubio, the GOP guys. Hmm. They were for Cruz, Rubio or Bush. And they go, you kidding me? He's got no. And I'm talking 
famous people that are now for Trump for other people. They were for wow. other people. Even Mark Levin, God bless his soul. Mark Levin, yeah. I had a radio show at the time, David. And I did articles and I said to Cruz, I said to Mark Levin, what are you holding out for? This was now after he won, you know, they were still never Trumpers out there. And I yeah. said, stop your jealousy from holding back your support to Donald Trump. Because right now, what is it? It's jealousy. You're caring about the country. Three days later, Cruz endorsed Trump. That article's on Breitbart. That's so good. And Mark Levin, God bless his soul. And now he's the champion. Of, of, but I called it out because, yeah. you know, it's how I saw it. But they were in the tank for other people, which is okay. I understand that. It's just interesting to me. The whole political apparatus is, is you know, the the, 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 the corruptness of, of, of Hollywood, of politics, this corruptness all around. I want to play this. I want to play this clip. You know, I've been opening up my show for close to two years now, you know, I, my show on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and then we turn it, we now turn it into the podcast. If you're watching this and you haven't subscribed to my podcast, if you're seeing this clip, subscribe to the David J. Harris Jr. show on your favorite podcast platform. But I open up my show by saying, hopefully one of your favorite deplorable brothers right here. Now there's something very interesting. You, Robert, actually led the charge after Hillary came out and said, oh, half of them are deplorables, you came out with a video that sparked this entire deplorable challenge. I'm going to take our viewers to this video right now, and then we'll, then we'll chat. Fellow Americans, I want each and every one of you to take the deplorable challenge that are voting for Trump Pence 2016. That's right. I'm a deplorable. Remember the movie The Dirty Dozen? They went in and they saved the day. Well, let's be deplorable. We're deplorable because we stand for America first. We want foreign and domestic policy to be America first. We're deplorable because we stand for the national anthem. We're deplorable because we want God bless America. We're deplorable because we're voting Trump Pence 2016. So go on, take the deplorable challenge. I'm a deplorable. Trump Pence 2016. God bless America. So good, my brother. <laughs> I loved it. Well, let me tell you, what happened was, because it's an interesting story, my musical director was doing a, he was also a musical director for another very big star, musician, I won't say who, who was giving a Hillary fundraiser, who was at that fundraiser. He sent me a clip of the deplorable thing, I saw it right away. And I said to myself, people are going to be put back. And I said, no. And I sent it to Kellyanne Conway, as you could see, I tweeted it to everybody I could there. I even spoke to them, sent them private messages. Don't shy away from this and blah, blah, blah. Because, and then, you know, uh, we'll get back to you. And they got back to me like four days later with their own campaign of it all, which was fine because I understand that these guys get paid. And if some schmuck like me comes along and gives an idea, they're going to say, you know, why give, you know, they know it. They, you know, I, I know what the game is. I know what the yeah. game is, but it went viral. So it had gone to an extent viral. And then it became, you know, people were doing deplorable, uh, you know, the whole great uh, artwork that people were doing. Everything. Uh, the Les Miserable thing. Mugs, hats, yeah. hosts like yeah. me championing that uh, title. And again, to go back to the whole victimhood mentality, because of your tough skin that you had, because of your upbringing, because of all the jacknuts out there that try to label somebody something and hate on somebody for no reason, you had that tough skin 
And you said, you know what? We're going to turn this around and champion it. And my brother, you championed it. We're championing it with you. We're so thankful for that initial video. Went absolutely viral. And uh, you should be honored that uh, every time you see deplorable, you're like, yep, yep. I helped start that right there. I started that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also the Dirty Dozen, you know, that movie, The Dirty Dozen. Yes. And they got the misfits to save the, the country there against the Germans with their yes. plotting. James Brown was in that. The great James Brown. Yes, he was was in that movie. Yeah. Well, that's what it seems like we are, man. We are fighting for our country. Uh, I got one more article here I wanted to talk about because you are uh, a man of faith and you were early on again, you know, trying to champion and rally together the body of believers, the believers out there in this country that have faith in God. And you wrote this article in October of 2015 to evangelical voters. We need a fighter, not a healer for president. And you're calling out evangelicals, Christians, Jews, women, men, blacks, whites, Latinos. I speak to you. Pass this amongst yourselves. Think hard. You all have faith in common and you understand the Judeo-Christian values this country was founded on. Yet you let secular issues tear you all apart. How true has that been? And now how great it is to see things like the Evangelicals for Trump campaign where evangelicals are coming together. But as a person of faith, how has this president stood up for and championed what we believed and what you believed early on in 2015 that the, that this president would would stand up for for those members of faith out there. Yeah, here's where this came from because it's quite interesting. Thank you for bringing that up, David. And I subsequently later on wrote another article when Hillary Clinton signed off for Christmas, may the force be with you. She didn't say Merry Christmas like Trump did. She said, may the force be with you. And my article was the battle for the soul of America. Merry Christmas or may the force be with you. So you knew right there. You knew right there. Now, early on in August of Trump, when he was giving, because I watched all the speeches, I was like, you know, I'm a political, I'd rather watch politics than the NBA playoffs, believe it or not, or the Super Bowl. I I just, me too. Politics are what I'm interested in. I like that, that field of, and and since I was young with my cousin, Michael and Johnny, we used to do shows in the sixties on tape recorders, political shows. So we were always discussing issues. So anyway, I should have, you asked me that question in the beginning. That's where it really started. We used to hmm. impersonate political issues uh, and political uh, figures back in the 60s, in the early 60s. Early on in Trump's speeches, he would say, it was a throwaway line. And we're going to say Merry Christmas again. And that was it. And nobody was picking up on it. He said it several times. And we're going to say Merry Christmas again. He didn't say, we're going to roll back abortion we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. He said, we're going to say Merry Christmas again, because that cultural battle, as you know, there was the, the attack on Christmas was so severe yes. and increasing every single year, yep. every single year. I saw the dissipation of the respect and the meaning of Christmas being, you know, uh, Secularized. Yeah, they everything, were, everything were, department stores, hated. and people were saying Xmas. They were writing Xmas. They were canceling out Christ yeah, and yeah, using an X. Christ was literally being canceled out of Christmas. And they wouldn't play Christmas songs. They would play, you know, the Jingle Bell songs. You know what I mean? They would play these uh, songs that didn't have any religious content to them uh, for a lot of the time. But he said, Merry Christmas. And I said, that's a signal. And that's where that article came from, because he understood the importance in our society of culture. Yes. This was a cultural battle of being able to put back into our culture, Merry Christmas, which was putting the flag 
in the earth of our Judeo-Christian heritage. So good. Well, he's been a champion for what do you it think? with religious you know, liberties, with championing unborn babies. You know, I, I know so many people from all different faiths that just we're all unified by our faith and belief in God and the fact that he is good. And I, for one, believe that God appointed Donald Trump to become the president to not only save our country from socialism, Marxism, communism and total disaster, but also bring us back or kind of give us the okay from the from the head of this country to give us the okay to 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 declare in the midst of this corona crisis that is his mass hysteria all over the news to declare March 15th a national day of prayer and just bring us all back to that place that place and that point where we either understand and acknowledge our need for God or we're at least face to face with the fact that the president is acknowledging and understanding that need for God and being very bold about it. That is a huge, huge thing for us to be able to hear from the president of the United States. Absolutely. You know, and I think we should, people say about schools, I've written many things about this as well, David, but they talk about the dissipation of kids and the disrespect and the violence in schools. Well, I don't remember back when I was in school in the late 50s, early 60s, I don't remember the, 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 Massive disrespect. Mm. And um, we had prayer in school, even a moment of silence where you had your, and you had discipline. And the left, even in California now, what Gavin Newsom has done in terms of teachers can't discipline the students. Shoplifters in California can get away with eight to $900 worth of stuff and just leave. Yeah, I saw that. There is a, the, the, illegal, the illegal alien putting them on the pedestal by the left. The continued disruption. Now I find out in New Jersey that they passed an ordinance in one of the counties that the the call of the prayer can be played five times a day. Now, if the Catholics or Christians want the Angelus to be said five times a day, would so they the let Muslim that happen? Call prayer they can be called five times a day. New Jersey. Wow. Yeah. Look up Google. Look it up and see. Now, I'm fine with people's religion. I'm fine with that, but I'm just saying... But they wouldn't let, imagine that, they wouldn't let the Christians church, do that. That's what I'm saying. That's, where, yeah. that's, what, that's what's insidious. That's what's insidious. Let's face it. There's many countries that celebrate Islam and don't let Christians celebrate Christianity. Right. That happens. Yeah. So they're coming to a Judeo-Christian country, one of the few... And the left seems to be okay with this out of this new age, woke society nonsense. It's a bunch of hooey, you know, and I I love all religions. Beauty in Islam. There's beauty in in, in Islam and the traditions and the people. uh, This is not a bad, I'm just saying, if you would say, if somebody wanted to ring the church bell six times a day for, for 10 minutes or five minutes, or if they wanted to uh, do the the Angelus, the Hallelujah, you know, five times a day, starting at five o'clock in the morning, with the city council in New Jersey, would they vote this in? And you know what? We no. sit there and we let them continue to turn up the heat while we're boiling like frogs in yeah. a trapped pot. I, I use that analogy all the time. Way. You know, I and I I personally yeah. believe that. I'll say it this way. I personally believe we can find a lot of beauty in a lot of things. We can find a lot of beauty in a lot of religions in the, in the good parts of them. 
But I personally yeah. don't believe religion gets a person to heaven. It's a relationship with Jesus. And that's what separates the Christian faith from every other religion out there is it's all about a relationship. Let, let's let's jump over well, to this. I got another video I want to show you that went viral that you that you put out there where I want you to speak to the to the hopefully the young minds that are listening and watching this right now and the absolute threat of what Democrats have been pushing in office and what you're currently seeing in your own home state, my home state. I was born and pretty much raised in California, Northern California, but uh, you gave a very, a very alarming and direct word to the congressmen and women of your state that are Democrats as to, as to how it goes for what's currently going on in, in California. Let's watch this clip and then I want your thoughts. Uh, I want to speak to you a moment about something I think is uh, a, a national emergency in certain ways. I live in uh, Southern California, as some of you might know. And uh, you also know that downtown L.A. is has been festered with a, uh, a, an epidemic of homeless, as is San Francisco. And as is Portland, Oregon, as is Seattle, Washington, there is an epidemic of people living in tents and streets and settlement camps, so to speak, in America here on the streets. And there's not been a time when we've had as much garbage, excrement, uh, human waste on the streets of downtown, certain areas of downtown L.A. Now. Dr. Drew Pinsky came out and said this on TV the other night. Uh, there's been typhus, tuberculosis, and he suspects there's going to be an epidemic of bubonic plague. Bubonic plague is uh, spread by fleas or squirrels. Uh, 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 could be several other things. Who knows what other? Bubonic plague. Already police officers in downtown L.A. near where this is have typhus. If bubonic plague comes in, do you realize the danger for the community, for the nation? There's a big danger here. Now, where is Gavin Newsom? Where is Garcetti? Where is Maxine Waters? Where is Schiff? How come you're not talking about this? Why aren't you doing something about downtown L.A. and the way people are living in those squalid embattlements? You better do something about it. This is the left in America. All right. They're bringing bubonic plague. They're worried about everything else, about what's in front of their noses because they don't give them donor money. Those poor people on the streets living in squalor. And the Hollywood community. Why don't you go down there and do some picketing? Why don't you make some noise about that now? What if bubonic plague winds up in Bel Air? Then they'll do something about it. <coughs> You better do something about it now, politicians. I want this all over the place. Viral. Well, it went viral. It went very viral. My question is, why isn't every other person of Hollywood, every actor, singer, whatever, why aren't they championing the same exact tone uh, to their public officials as you were in that video? They don't pick. They, I don't know why they're not picking it up. They, and this was early on. I mean, I was talking about this in February of last year. All yes. Right? I was of, of uh, the. Yeah, that's from last, last year. So now. Yeah. And then I, I was also, you know, uh, continuing to do that. And then other people would pick it up and, and stuff like that. But what I found was that. Which was strange to me, David. And I think it's part of what's wrong with the conservative movement. I'm not a, an Academy Award nominee. 
I'm a soldier of cinema. Hmm. Do I sing well? Absolutely. Yes, you do. You know, I, I'm, I'm right up there. I'm right up there in my shows. I travel the world. All right. You say 130, 140 films, TV series, this. I go all over the world. I'm kind of known. I have not gotten with a lot of the conservative movement a follow from some of the other big conservatives. It makes no sense to me. Hmm. I've, and I'll, I'll, I'll out one of them. Let's say Dan Bongino, nice guy, intelligent guy. James Woods, great guy, wonderful guy, right? Know him, did a film with him years ago, TV movie. They know I'm out there. Not a follow back. Not that it matters, but it does matter because the more we are having to reach people, but what I find, or even Charlie Kirk, who's amazing with Turning Court. Good friend. We yeah. follow each other, but he's never repeated one of my things. You know, I find that there's a, and, 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 and another, there is a franchising aspect to the conservative movement hmm. that people are afraid almost to open it up to other voices that are powerful and strong and, and to make, you know, I'm not going to flower my language. I like this to be direct because I find that that's what, moves the people, right? Yeah. And I think that we have to have more of a concerted effort connecting the dots with each other. Yes. To widen the message. And that's where it falls apart. And and, and many other pundits, uh, the same thing. And that's one, thing of, that the, uh, that's one thing that the left does very well is they unite. They don't care who it is. They unite. If you're on the same side as them. They just try to rally around each other and unite. That is definitely something that we need to learn. They will lift and you do a lot up. More of. They will lift you up, and here they put you down. Hmm. Conservatives will put you aside or put you down. They will not lift you up most. And that goes for many people. Many people. You know what I mean? And I you think it needs to be. I think honestly, I think it needs to become a part of how we operate, because I know it can be easy to just stay busy. And when you're some of the names that you mentioned, you know, I know how busy I am and I'm, I don't even think I'm as busy as some of the names that you mentioned. So it's, it can be easy to just be in your own world, in your own bubble. And until something pops up that's hot, it's like that's when I get called to do things on Fox or different different venues is I've got something that breaks. The president retweets me or shares something and then people want to talk to me. But, you know, I just keep pushing because I know no, that I'm, I'm going to reach somebody. What but I'm at the saying, same time, yeah, I think that's part of it needs to be part of our recipe is that we we search and look to how we can unite more because the more of us gathered together, moving in the same direction together, the better. Exactly. Like w w what I find is a lot of times I may be early on something and then four hours later, I know they've seen it instead of retweeting or bringing me into the fold. Say, hey, like I've done that. I've gotten tweets. I said, hey. And I'll retweet with my comment. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I won't like capture it and then do it as my own. Yeah, you know that I mean? happens. I'm saying something like that to help. Because when I started this, and here's people have talked about this a lot and a lot and a lot. When I started, I had over, you know, I had over a million followers on Twitter. And again, this is how so pedestrian to talk about, but it's endemic to the conservative movement. And it's mm -hmm. necessary to kind of like wake people up to let them see the, the necessary aspect of this. So I have yes. over a million. Now I've come out for Trump and I lost 800,000. Wow. Man. Oh yeah. 
That was like lost, 800,000. Then built up a little bit. But there is no, you know, and, and this is what Andrew was great at. Andrew was great at giving that respect to guys like myself and the conservative movement that they embraced and said, you know what? Your voice is important to us as what you're doing right now and what you do on your show. I just bring it up because it's part of the platform of winning and influencing yes. people. Because when I did my radio show, I had a black woman from Lynchburg, Virginia, call me up on the phone and Mr. Dobby, I wasn't going to vote for Mr. Trump, but your belief in him and your passion for him made me vote for him. Wow. So if you can affect, yes, this is true. This is on the air when I had the radio show. And I'm saying this was in Lynchburg and I'm doing it from my office in Los Angeles. And I knew there were many others. So I know that we can affect people because of truth to power, David. They understand authenticity and truth to power. You know what yes. I mean? And you're in it because of the love of your, of your nation. You have to do this. You know what you're doing. You have to do it, don't you? This is part of your yes. soul. Yeah, we have to. Share with me really quick before we go. I want you to talk to the audience you, you, that video, you were challenging, you know, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi. They're all Democrats that are supposed to be public servants. They're in California. They're pushing for open borders. They're pushing for sanctuary. You know, they got their sanctuary status. What do you see if Donald Trump was to not win the 2020 election this year and a Democrat won? I don't care which one. What do you think would take place from what you've seen taking place in your own state what would take what would what would take place in this country? Uh, I'd be very sad about it. It would be I'd be in mourning for the nation. Now there are people that disagree with that statement because they don't want they they want to minimize it and call it you know people call it grandpa nostalgic America old white guy old black guy America blah 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 you know what I mean instead of saying what America was founded on the principles. You know, I had an argument with somebody on radio the other day. I said, I'm not a globalist. I'm not your pinata. Yeah. You can't, you know, I'm not a globalist because I called it the Wuhan flu and Wuhan virus. I said, it was so important to call it that because people are going to forget it. And like they said, they came out and said it was the U.S. Army the other right. day. And we have to yeah, that's be what able to, to right? Say. We have to be able to. Yeah, we have to save this nation. I mean, people have to, the kids... And, 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 and I've seen, I have six kids, my, my latest being a nine month old baby girl. Yes. I congratulations. I've 38 seen 38 year old, 29 year old, 27 year old. I have 19 year old twins. Well, I've seen education, David, you have children. I do. Yeah. They're 22 and almost 24. God bless. All right. I've seen education over decades. Right. You know, like four or five decades. I've seen besides my own education. What I've saw, and I've seen what happened to our educational system, and I fear for these kids because they are being fed, indoctrinated into the left-wing ideologies, yeah. and they're weak. They're weak kids. Yeah, well, they, they're still they, being they're formed. Not, they don't you know, know any they, different. They're like lambs being led to the slaughter. Yeah, but exactly. And, and the PC and culture the, makes them weak. Pelosi, yeah, they're afraid to do anything. They're afraid to do anything. They're they're afraid to stand up for stuff. They, they, they scream and, and they become static. It's a frightening time because they're going to be controlled by the left if the left gets in there. 
I don't think they will. Yeah, I hope not. I pray not. I mean, I'm confident that Trump is going to win. And I think by a huge margin. But we have to be vigilant and we have to, you know, people can sit on their laurels. We need every day people to get in there. Why yes. haven't they done anything about And I said this. I said I sent that thing to the campaign of Donald Trump. And I said, make this an issue. This is an important issue. The homelessness. It's and the, and the stuff is because that's what we're going to look like in America. And you got guys like Scott Pressler, who's going out there and doing some great work. Yes, love Scott. You know, Good tremendous friend. citizen. Yeah, yes, that's doing some great work, cleaning up these cities. You know what I mean? This is it. But we need to have the people involved and say, why did you let this happen? And right. why do you continue not doing anything about it? Exactly. Pelosi hasn't said one thing about it yet, has she? Or Maxine Waters hasn't said one thing about it yet. Either. Or Adam Schiff. They just talk Russia, 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 impeachment. Right. But nothing about this issue for the American people. Because the Politburo wants to control. They don't care about the issues. Because I remember eight years ago driving downtown LA and seeing these tents up there, boy. I'm telling you, man, it's like disgusting. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, to me, it's to me, it's like they're selling out our country right in front of us. The problem is so many Americans keep voting for them. I, I don't understand it. Well, how, come on. If you're told, go into the store and take $900 worth of stuff and you're not going to be charged. If you're told, commit a crime and we'll let you back on the streets. If you're told you can get free this and free that and free this and free that and do what you want. It's hard to fight free. As they say, yeah, it's hard, hard to fight, to fight Santa Claus free. and accountability. Yeah, it's hard to account. Accountability is hard, but free. And I say this: I use the inevitability. If you're sucking off mommy's tit, you you're controlled. The government is the tit, and you're going to be controlled by that because they can take it out of your mouth and say, unless you do this, you're not going to get fed anymore. Right. And that's basically what the fear of it all is: control. It is. It's modern day slavery. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's modern day slavery. Well, Robert, it has been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on with us today, my brother. I just really believe and see that God has used you mightily. I think even more than you know uh, in this fight for our nation, for our country. And I just pray God would continue to bless you and open up doors of opportunity for you uh, and blessings for your family, your kids. Uh, I think you're an amazing individual. I'm so honored to have you in this fight with us. And I'm so honored that you are such a patriot and willing to put and sacrifice your own brand and your own name and your own personal livelihood on the line for this president. I, I really believe that uh, you're truly important, brother, for this fight. Well, David, thank you. And you are. I mean, again, I'm just a huge fan of yours and so proud of what you've accomplished and what you're doing here for the nation. It's it's so important because, you know, and we all know that the black vote can change this election and change this country for the good for a long time. And your voice out there, not only affecting black people, but all of us. And hopefully Democrats are listening to you that normally wouldn't be listening. You're bringing a message that people may not hear from others. So your work is, you're blessed. You know, it's like, it's like Moses in the desert, man, you know, going to the promised land. Yes. It feels like a desert sometimes, <laughs> as you know. It? It, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it does. It feels like a desert because 
We're out there hanging dry. That's why I say the unity of us all communicating. This, this instead of having the franchising, there's a there's enough for everyone. Yes. It says, hey, guy, you know what I mean? It seems that, you know, and I won't get into other things, but it, it just is it's, it's sad in a way. Well, I think we're winning. Sad in a way. It is sad, but I think we're yes. winning. I think we're waking up. I think we have a long road ahead, but I definitely believe that the next four years of a Donald Trump presidency is going to go a huge, long way to wake up even more Americans to how good the, our, our way of life is here. And, uh, and then it's that much more important to preserve it with strong borders and border policy and everything else. I think it's a fight where we're winning all over little the world. I travel around the world, David. My wife is from Estonia. She's half Russian, half Estonian. They left communism. Right. She saw that. They saw that there. They see what's happening in America. You know, America, around the world. I was just in, I did a concert at the Eiffel Tower in Paris two weeks ago. Wow. They shut it down. I did a concert there. Finland, Sweden, around the world. America is that shining city on the hill. And mm. people that say, you know, a lot of people that know that I'm a, a, a supporter of Trump, they'll come up to me quietly and go, there's a lot more of us here than they think. And they That's understand so that because they see that their national boundaries are being raped. Yeah. They're seeing that their national boundaries are being raped. All right? They're being yeah. uh, destroyed. And, you know, boundaries are beautiful. Boundaries yes. are beautiful. Cultures are beautiful. Let's yes. maintain this culture, you know. And the great thing about America is e pluribus unum. Yes. E pluribus unum. All right. I don't want the call to prayer in New Jersey. It separates us. Right. Just like the Angelus would separate you. Have freedom of religion. But let's not. It's, it's melt in. Enjoy this nation and its freedoms. Don't try to impose yours on us. Exactly. And that's the idea about closing borders. When my family came from Italy, we were told, speak of the English. Speak hmm. of the English. Hmm. It wasn't pressed to for Sicilian or Bades or Napolitan. It wasn't pressed two or three. Speak English. And you had to struggle through that and get a sponsor and a friend that helped you learn English and all this, these new girls that are in the in the thing, the uh, uh, Elon Omar and yeah, Rashida Tlaib, you know, yeah, Tlaib, the, the whole nine yards of this is, is just a, a, a frightening indictment, and it goes back to, I'm telling you, it goes back to McCarthy, mm. because they were in the country then, and they wanted to demonize him. If if the left, if the right wants to do something. Do a true movie about Joseph McCarthy. Hmm. They've done so many different things about anti-McCarthy, about the blacklist. But the blacklist is alive now in Hollywood for the conservatives, for Christians. Okay, there was a moment I wrote an article about it when Kevin Spacey spit on the crucifix in his show. I saw that that show he had in Washington. And that had a the article? significant impact on your daughter. Yes. Seeing okay. that happen, seeing Kevin that. Spacey spit in the face of, of Christ hanging on the cross in a modern-day Hollywood said, I film do that, uh, a, a series. TV series. Yeah. She said, Daddy, would you ever do that? I said, I have to turn it down. I wouldn't be able to do that. 
And at the same time, I wouldn't spit at a statue of Muhammad. But mm. would Hollywood do that? They wouldn't touch Muhammad. Why didn't? Yeah, and rightly so. You know what I mean? The yeah. people should have respect, but yet they don't. For Christianity has been demonized. There was a documentary called Pollywood. We did this. Barry Levinson did it. And there was an, this was in the 2008, the McCain. Then they were doing this. Uh, and we were having, there was a town hall meeting with a bunch of actors. I will mention names, myself included. I was the only conservative. Frank Luntz was holding it. He was there. And they were talking about, you know, terrorism. And every single Hollywood lefty would say, well, you've got the evangelicals, you've got the Christian terrorists. And I says, wait a second, you can't, there's no way you can equate that. Hmm. You can't equate that. You know what I'm saying? Because the religion, in our religion, it's taught sacrifice yourself for others. Christ gave yes. us that example on the cross. Yes, he did. We have that example. He didn't say pick up a sword. You know, they did The Last Temptation of Christ, the movie. I always said, The Last Temptation of Christ, I don't know if you've heard of that book by Nikos Kazantzakis. Yes. Interesting book. That on the cross he had different temptations than the last, yeah, years ago, because I wanted to change the book. I wanted to change the book. In the book they had his last temptation of growing as an old man and having a family. Hmm. And I said, and I talked to Marty Scorsese about it at the time, I think. Uh, or, or one of the producers, I think. I said, you know, really the last temptation of Christ, and I think Kazan Sakas would say this because Kazan Sakas used to go to Mount Athos, to the monasteries and pray. And he wrote a book about spiritual exercises. But Christ on the cross, all-powerful, man, God, he said, Father, take this cup from me, right? As man, God, would you not say, I want 200,000, 2 million angels. I want to yes. destroy the Roman Empire. Yeah. Yes, take me off yeah. the cross. That was his start. last temptation. Last temp now imagine that in a movie. Imagine right. that last temptation wow. in a movie. And then going, and then having that in real time, watching it, and all of a sudden, no! Into your hands, I commend my spirit. Wow. That would have made a great, that would have made that film successful. Maybe you need to because make that's that film, where it was Robert. <laughs> well, they made it. Marty Scorsese, maybe remake it. They need to remake it, yeah. You know, maybe remake it. Yeah. Yeah, it needs to be remade. Well, my brother, it has been an absolute you know? pleasure. I've got to have you on the show again. I would absolutely love that. And next time I'm in L.A., I'm going to look you up. As soon as we can start flying around the country again, come on, come I'm going to look you up. We have to have a we'll have to get together, to break bread. What's that? Yes, I'll take you to the best. I'll take you to the best Italian deli, the San Carlo Deli, Sounds out here good. in Chatsworth. You'll have the best eggplant parmesan you've ever had. Nice, or none. All right, that sounds good, Robert. It's been an absolute pleasure. You you know your history, you know your stuff, and it was an honor to have you on my show today, my brother. I'll make sure all your handles are up there on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, Robert John Davi, correct? Yes, Robert Robert John Davi on Twitter. Find him on uh, Facebook, Instagram. I love your stuff, love your videos, and just love that you are a part of this movement with us, my brother. Thank you so much for being on my love show you, today. Brother. Thank you, brother. God bless you, my brother.
God bless you too, brother. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Friends, there you have an amazing patriot, somebody that loves this country, somebody that travels the world still because of uh, his amazing singing ability, because of his ability to just uh, to entertain. But of, of, of course, his, his singing ability. Uh, you have somebody that has been in the Hollywood game for a very long time that has his head on straight. He's somebody that deserves and needs our support, and it is an honor to support him. So make sure you follow him. Uh, make sure you send him messages. Let him know how much you appreciated this episode of the show, and send this episode of show to, to, to the of the show to some of your friends, some of your family, to have an Italian American and a Black American uh, that are just that that are Americans and love this country that support this president. Maybe they'll hear something in here that'll wake them up and make them understand how important it is that they support Donald J. Trump for president this year. God bless you. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.